Hello and welcome to the Talk to Defeat ALS podcast. I'm your host, Tony Heil, Director of Communications and Public Policy at the ALS Association, Greater Philadelphia Chapter. March is an important month, not just for the ALS Association, but across the country, because it is a month honoring social workers. And our chapter, the ALS Association, Greater Philadelphia Chapter, um, has been built on the backs of social workers for over 40 years now. And I think my guest today might say that both figuratively and literally, considering the amount of work, um, we have to do. So um, we want to take a moment this month with a series of podcasts to talk with our social work team to learn about uh, why they became social workers and joined the chapter, uh, the challenges of being a social worker, especially here with a very challenging disease, um, what they hope to get done, and then hopefully at the end, um, re- reaffirming why social work is so valuable uh, generally or to ALS specifically. Before we get into our discussion today, I encourage you to go to our website, www.alsphiladelphia.org, where you can find out about events, how to donate, how to volunteer, and how to be an advocate. Um, I also encourage you to follow us on all social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at ALS Philadelphia. And today, I have three social workers who have a combined... A lot of years of experience in social work, <laughs> um, and that's social work generally. Their names are Janie Etzkovitz. Hi, how are you? Uh, Melissa Call. Hello. And uh, Ann Cooney. Hello. So I thank you all for coming uh, yeah, and you. recording this again. And um, who wants to go first to just talk a little bit about why they became a social worker? Because this isn't a video, no one's going to know that you're all jumping up at the cause. So Janie, go first and tell us why you decided to become a social worker and join the ALS Association? Um, That's an interesting question because I've been a social worker for over 20 years. So I think it's maybe from my, the way that I was raised, my family always was giving and helping others. Um, My great-great-grandmother was in a nursing home. So I had an early uh, interaction with people in the community and giving back. And I think that that was something that captured me when I I grew up. And so um, I just fell in to it and um, I find it something that I love and it's fulfilling and it's sort of natural for me so my grandfather had ALS and and my grandmother had Parkinson's so I've seen the situation in healthcare so even if you don't know social work we all can see that that direct care makes a difference hopefully that inspires other people that there's a lot of career paths you can take um, where you can be a big service to others Um, absolutely I don't have an ALS connection, um, but I had a loss um, about four years ago, very close to me, mm-hmm. and I became a caregiver. And when I, my loved one passed away, I decided what is it that I wanted to do? And somehow my foot came into the door here at ALS, and I was welcomed, and um, I've been on this journey with ALS patients ever since. So that's my connection. Um, And when you've lived through um, loss and death, um, it gives you a a greater awareness of what these patients and families and caregivers go through. Well, I have to say that I've been here eight years now, and it feels like you've been here the whole time. (laughs) Because you're around so much, you're always a presence, and I think that everyone that works in care services kind of no one can think that they've only been here for a few months because everyone kind of fits in so quickly. Uh, so we're going to go to my right. No one knows my right here. Uh, <laughs> and, and why did you become a social worker and um, then join the chapter? 
So my mom would tell you that when I was little, I used to walk around and tell everybody I just want to help people, <laughs> which I really don't remember saying that, but apparently I did. And I've always enjoyed just being with people, caring for people. In high school, I started, you know, I took sociology, I took psychology, I really enjoyed those classes. And I just, I really wanted to do something where I could make somebody's life a little bit better. And I think that kind of led me into social work. And I'm, I really am glad I took that path. And I really have enjoyed the jobs that I've had. And I especially love this job with the ALS Association. I mean, we all know it, this is a fatal disease. And you know, the, the outcome is, is a sad one. But with all my experience now being here, it is the most fulfilling job I've ever had. And I love you know, people always say to me, I, why do you work there? How can you do that? You must be crazy. And I'm like, I don't know, call me crazy. Uh -huh. But the people, the families, the patients that I work with are the most appreciative people I've come across in any job I've ever had. And I truly enjoy it. I enjoy the team. It's just, I feel like I'm learning something every day. And uh, I, it's, I look forward to you know, doing my job and doing my work. Certainly there are times where it's, it's tough and it's really sad and it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, you lose people that you become close to, but I also feel like I just get so much from that as well. So I guess that's why I'm still here and still, you know, doing my job. No, well, I, I imagine that that comes across, that feeling from you, how it feels to you to work here, comes across to the families that you deal with which makes your job better because you can form better connections yeah. and then it helps the chapter it's a cycle mm -hmm. upward of goodness I think it is and I do one of our support groups our resource groups and I just feel like that bond I have with everybody in my group is so strong mm -hmm. I feel like almost like we're a family and I feel this responsibility for them and I just I I, I care about them I don't know it's it's hard to describe but um it just, I love what I do. It's simple as that. Now, we, um, we always talk about all the services and devices and clinics that we provide, but we can never do enough to talk about the support groups and resource groups. Mm -hmm. I was just with a person with ALS from New Jersey this week and said how valuable that was to him. So if someone wants to figure out how to get involved in a resource group or support group, whatever it is in their area, um, what's the best way to do that? Well, you can certainly go to the website, you know, www.alsphiladelphia.org, because the whole schedule is there for all of our resource groups, um, you, know, per, you know, when they meet, where, and all that per month. They can also connect with their social worker, whoever their personal social worker is. They could advise them on which groups would be closest to them and most convenient. Clinic teams, I mean, it's just a lot of discussion. Um, many times in clinic, it is brought up to our patients when they come for their visits to consider looking into and attending a group as well. So I think those three ways could help, you know, get you connected. Awesome. Thanks for doing that. I think it, it's a really good thing for the cause in general. It's an ambassadorship mm -hmm. from what you guys do. Yeah. So, Melissa. Hi. Why, why did you, you um, sound like you're on the radio, you look like it. Um, you're going to introduce the top 40 hits. Yeah. Um, I feel like um, Anne and Janie stole my thunder, because very similar to them, I, I guess I just kind of always grew up wanting to help people and with the mindset of serving others. Um, and along with that being a problem solver and I think that's a lot of um, what we do 
in our role as social workers, um, multitasking and and kind of not sweating the small stuff. And that's, you know, I think really a, a trait that probably any social worker that you meet would have. And I guess that's kind of how I am. So it fit for me. Um, I really kind of stumbled upon it because I was originally going to be a teacher in college and I switched majors and literally picked it out of the course description book because it said you, you can help others, you know, in the social work major. <laughs> but anyway, that's how I came to be. And um, I've been with the chapter for 10 years now. And I agree 100% with Anne. This is the most rewarding job I've ever had. I've been in social work over 20 years. Um, always in the medical field, and um, this by far is the most rewarding. Well, that's great. It's uh, moving the mic around. Um, and I think you're right with ALS, with insurance, with different, because a disease is different. Being a problem solver is probably the number one thing you have. You can change your title from social worker to problem solver, um, but social worker probably fits best for this. <laughs> so those are the introductions about why people became social workers. I guess we should just go around the same order, um, unless it feels bad no, it's fine. being late, being last. But you'll be able, to, Melissa, will be able to end on a high note at the end of the whole thing. <laughs> so, uh, Janie, what are the um, biggest challenges being a social worker for ALS and for the chapter? because it's it's not an easy job no it's not an easy job and it's a tough to disease to um, understand and to grasp uh, because all of these people aren't defined by the disease they've all had lives they've all have a story and so when they get this um, this news um, we're oftentimes one of the first people that they meet and so it's important for us to uh, lay the groundwork to establish a rapport and to let people know that they're not alone because the challenges in healthcare, the challenges in caring for a loved one is unbelievable um, and the changes occur at different times and the impact it has on your family financially psychologically um, is a challenge so um, I think we're all here to be on this journey with them and for them to know that they're not alone and just like if you're a comedian having to be on um, it's hard to just always put your game face on for all those conversations over and over again I correct assume. and people go through different emotions and there's uh, denial and there's frustration and there's anger and we have to know as social workers that it's not always at us personally um, but you know we're oftentimes the ones that people get frustrated with right um, hopefully you're also the ones that people will give credit to at some point too I hope so <laughs> <laughs> so um, and what are the biggest challenges that you think you face or have faced being a social worker for ALS in the chapter? I think the biggest challenge is you don't get better from this disease. You, you die. You pass away. And I've always done, you know, uh, social work, medical social work, you know, and I've worked in rehab where someone broke their hip or someone had a stroke. And, you know, they, they get rehab, they move you know they progress they do better they go home and they continue on with their lives they may be impaired to a certain degree but overall they're back to you know their lives and with their family and loved ones with ALS that doesn't happen they the disease progresses they decline we see that progression from the beginning from the initial diagnosis to when they do pass on 
and it's really hard sometimes and it, I think not being able to make it better really stinks and there are times where there really just aren't any words for somebody who is having to make those big decisions regarding you know their advanced directives and whether or not they want to you know be on an event and get traked or whether they decide to go you know on hospice and let nature take its course there, there are days where there's not a whole lot you can say to make that better and it's a helpless feeling or at least for me I, I feel a little helpless at times because it's terrible it's just terrible so that's a challenge both professionally and personally absolutely yeah grow, I, I mean I've seen all of you on really everyone at the chapter I assume um, grows bonds with the people you work with especially yeah. if you're here for more than a minute right you do and that's really hard and I mean, fortunately, I can say with our chapter, with all the programs that we do have in place, we can provide a lot of support in the home for their care needs. We can provide them with accessibility um, things, you know, our stair glides and ramping to make life easier to help maintain their independence for as long as possible. Our loaner closet with all the equipment that we can provide to them. I mean, these are wonderful things that we can give to them, which a lot of agencies cannot. I mean, we are very fortunate to be able to do these things. But at the end of the day, and when you get to the end of the road, we can't make the disease stop. And that's hard. Well, I appreciate that. I think it would be harder for the people with ALS if it didn't seem hard to you. Like, if yeah. it seemed like it was just a job, then you wouldn't do your job as well. Right, yeah, I agree. So, Melissa, what are the um, biggest challenges that you face or maybe if you don't know or maybe the same thing? Um, I, I agree with both Janie and Anne. Um, you know, the fact that this disease is progressive and and ends in death and and dealing with that on a daily basis can be very challenging, both professionally and on a personal level, because you do get connected with these people and you're meeting them at, at such a vulnerable point in their life and, you know, talking about very intimate things and, and major life decisions. Um, and so that part is very challenging. And, and like Ann said, the feeling of helplessness at times, you know, um, of, not having the words to say because there just really aren't any words to say but just being there for them um i also think there's you know challenges that we face really on a daily basis that you know through our work we we try to make changes and and advocate for our patients you know on a more national level global level whatever you want to call it with healthcare and all of that and that can be very frustrating um you know, the lack of support that as specifically our patients, um, the challenges that they deal with um, just in day-to-day -day and the lack of support that they have from a financial and insurance standpoint and, and getting care in the home covered by insurance and things like that. So I find it helpful in facing those challenges to add, you know, partake in our advocacy efforts to help make changes for that. I um, I guess that colors a lot of perspective, not just as a social worker here, but in life. Um, this wasn't a question we prepared for him, but like, is there anything from this for any one of you? You don't have to answer that. From seeing these challenges with ALS and w working on it for so long, all of you, um, that you kind of take it home and changes your perspective on any other problem you solve or thing like that. 
Certainly. <laughs> I, I mean, this, I feel like I've, I've said I've been here over 10 years. It certainly has changed my whole perspective on life in general. I mean, to, to bear witness to what we do on a daily basis with the people that we meet and the challenges that they face, it literally puts in perspective, like, no use crying over spilled milk. You know, like, the, yeah. it really does. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as Janie said, you know, she, she suffered her loss. Um, we all have in the years since I've been here and and been in the role as a caregiver and it certainly gives perspective for you in in working with caregivers and their challenges that they face. Yeah, I know dealing with anything I have to do with friends, people now say, Tony, you're so calm about this. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, someone I know passed away last weekend and mm-hmm. I wasn't my best friend, but you deal with that so often that right. other things kind of... You don't want to downplay them, but it definitely puts things in perspective and maybe helps you deal with things in a different way. Um, so those are some of the challenges you guys face. You also have a big caseload, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think it's, I think uh, you do such great one-on-one care that I imagine for most of the people you see, they think that they're the only person you're focused on. But you all have more than five people you're caring for at one time. Yeah. <laughs> right, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> we do the best that we can. Yes, <laughs> we do. Um, I mean, not everybody, it, it, you know, we all have large caseloads. Um, fortunately, not everybody on any given day needs your help, you right. know. Thank goodness, because that would be rough. But, um you know, emergencies come up, priorities, you just need to, you know, focus on what the priorities are, who really needs you the most, the crises that, crises that pop up. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, being a social worker is like being a triage nurse, if you ask me. You, yeah. you figure out what, okay, what needs to be addressed immediately and you go from there. Right. Um, it goes hand in hand with being a mother. <laughs> yeah. Pro- so. Probably makes you a better mother, and being a mother makes you a better social worker or a better father if you're. Or if, nice. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If you're a father. Um, yeah. So, um, and maybe we need more fathers to become social workers too, and vice versa. Um, so, Anne, since you're one up now and you're speaking, um, as in the next year or in general, what are the kind of things you would like to do? and your role as a social worker for the ALS community. Is there anything you'd like to accomplish or? I would like to see our efforts with advocacy, um, especially, you know, the uh, national conference in DC in June and at the state level as well, continue to support the needs of of our patients. Um, Nationally, I think the biggest thing that we see with our patients is this five month waiting period for the social security disability um, coverage. Currently, right now, everybody applies, then you have to wait five months before you begin to receive the financial benefit. For some of our patients, five months means initial diagnosis and near death. And to have to wait all that time is just terrible. So I would really like to see that get passed so we could you know, see more support going towards our families so they can care for their loved ones at home. Um, I just want to keep doing my support group and hopefully that continues to thrive and we get new members. I just feel like uh, it's been very beneficial for those who come and it's really beneficial for me too, I think. I've I've enjoyed it. So I'd I'd like to see that keep on going. Great. Those are things I'd like to see keep going too. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to get involved in advocacy, go to our website, www.alsphiladelphia.org and you can 
figure out how to sign up. My contact information is there, and you, or you can talk to your social worker and they can get you involved um, because we have a chance to pass that. We almost passed it last year. Um, one bad senator from Utah stopped it in the end. He's not our senator, so I'll say it was, I'm not going to say good things about him. Um, but there's it's a bipartisan bill. It's not you know, people from both sides, um, all kinds of ideologies. We're getting a lot of co-sponsors on it, which is nice. Um, so, Melissa, what, um, what do you hope to accomplish or do? It could be the same thing. It could be different. But what, what's something you would like to get done or see? Definitely um, advocacy and getting the five-month waiting period waived for Social Security disability. I think the continued efforts of the chapter and the association on a national level um, to work on getting more coverage through Medicare for help in the home for our patients because that is really one of the biggest challenges is the cost of care and Medicare not covering it yeah. um, for day-to-day -day activities of daily living and the challenges that patients face. Whether so. Medicare or insurance or anything. Right. And it's not like it's Medicare or insurance, it's Medicare or of dozens of different kinds of insurance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Most often they follow the Medicare guidelines, so the key would be to get Medicare, Medicare says it yes. would trickle down. Everybody else will follow eventually. Mm -hmm. right. Right. And I was just had a meeting with a person with ALS, John Russo and his wife. We met with a congressman, Andy Kim. And the congressman was talking about health care reform, and he said, you know, this is complicated. It's not just like one slogan answers right. enough. Um, maybe we need to bring more social workers in to answer some questions about mm -hmm. what they face. And that's kind of, maybe that's a perspective we need to hear more from in those meetings. Yeah, and on that, you know. Uh, that's okay. I, you know, I think it just brings us to the point of maybe increasing the awareness. Keep, you know making people aware um, of what ALS is, the impact that it has, trying to reach out to more and more people that perhaps have this disease that aren't connected with chapters throughout the United States, and just increasing the awareness to the general public, to our politicians, so that they're aware of this disease, the journey that these people go on, and the impact um, that perhaps efficacy can have on everybody. So awareness to me is a big fight yeah and i think that's a fight that people don't realize that we want to do here for awareness and now we always say fight but um because you don't just want to make people aware of als in your role you want to make people with als and their families aware of all the things available to them that they use as soon as possible but I think until you work here or know somebody with ALS, you don't really know the impact that it has right. following a loved one through that journey. Um, and then, you know, just knowing what ALS is and then learning about the wonderful resources that this organization offers. Yeah. So all of that is so important. And I, we just have to, you know, keep, um, you know, having people aware. I have talked to maybe two people or like maybe five people since I got here who knew, well, I have ALS and here's what I do. I go and talk to so-and-so. because, And it's only because they've gone there before. Right. I talked to our mutual friend Jared in Delaware who has ALS. And he's like, I didn't know that I got that there was this available. And their, his parents didn't know. Correct. Why would he know? And that's what you're there right. for. Right, right, right. Uh, so that, those are some of the things you guys would like to do. Increase awareness, uh, pass some legislation, get more involvement from families, get more support groups. Uh, resource groups. Um, finally, 
what why do you think Janie that um, social work is so valuable whether it's for ALS or for anything because it's social workers month this month yeah um, I think that we are very valuable um, and I think that sometimes until you know what a social worker does or interact you don't really know the journey that they can help you with um, you know I think a social worker is someone that uh, an individual um, can share their intimate feelings their feelings of hopeless hopelessness and that they know that they're not alone and because when you get this disease you feel like you're so isolated until you get to a group or you meet somebody else that you know that you're not alone in this and that is so key because when you're de dealing with this card it's not easy when you're alone and I think that we're often asked, how can we do this? You know, like, are we saints or angels or whatever? But really, my inspiration comes from the patients and families, that their strength and their courage is an inspiration to me, and that every story is unique, mm -hmm. and that they give us the strength and the courage to continue. And that I hope that people understand our role and an awareness of what social work is all about. Sometimes I feel like people really don't understand us and how valuable we are well that's what we're hoping to fix here at this podcast okay. and with the other ones with some other people like marianne jones and wendy barnes because i think i mean i know you guys are valuable and hopefully more people realize it too because when you get als you don't think i need to see a social worker correct no one does until right, right. <laughs> so um <laughs> melissa or ann um why do you think that social work is so valuable for people with als or in general especially here i guess i feel like we are the we represent our patients we're the voice for our patients and families and we stand up for them and we speak for them at times and support them and advocate for them and you know it's it's not it's easy to focus on on like the the medical and physical needs of the patient and what they should be doing and what would make them feel better and what you know all the different things that should be done in their homes to make things better and all of that but I think many times we are there to stand up and say you know these ideas are great but our patients not quite there yet they need time to process they need this they need that they don't want this they don't want that we're there to represent them and and just take care of them and make sure that their voice their feelings are heard and I sometimes I think everybody gets really caught up in trying to provide the right care and the, the right devices and the right this and the right that and maybe sometimes nobody's really asking the patients what they think they need and what they think will be helpful or what makes them feel uncomfortable and I feel like that's our role yeah. We're, we're in the nitty-gritty yeah. with them and we stand up and speak for them at times and and just try to keep their best interests at the forefront as well and I'm not saying that other people don't do that but it's like everybody has different roles and different responsibilities but I feel like ours is the most basic and simple of all is what's best for that patient and what do they want yeah that's wonderful and you're, what you're saying to me sounds like your role is to be the first one to not see someone as a person with ALS, but to see them as a person. Exactly, right, because they were a person prior to right. being diagnosed with ALS, as Janie said yeah, in the beginning. They right. had their their life and their their jobs and their families and their hobbies and their their needs and their maybe issues or problems with one thing and thriving in other areas. Like none of that 
that's all still there, but sometimes I feel like that does get overlooked because now the focus and the priority becomes they have ALS and we need to focus on that. But there's a whole person there that also you need to take in that big picture, and I feel like that's what we do. Absolutely. Well said. All right, Melissa, try and add to that. Um, <laughs> well, like Ann said, it is a lot of times um, our, our role as a social worker is not necessarily to fix everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times when you're working in an inter interdisciplinary team and everybody has their different area that they, their expertise and do this, do A, do B, do C, and fix it. And our, you know, our role really is to empower our patients and family members and the caregivers and advocate for them and, like Ann and Janie said, be their voice and, and kind of reel everyone back in that this is a human being and, you know, they to give them their ability to make decisions whether or not we agree with them. And I think that's social work in general. Yes. You know what I mean? That's always it is. Yeah. It's the principle that we've all learned that the person, you know, the individual is a person. Right. And, exactly. you know, um, that we need to give them their dignity and pride and, um, and through this journey because oftentimes that's lost. Right. And to meet them where they are. Correct. Exactly. You know, so we might all, the team might have great ideas and they would quote-unquote fix things but if the patient isn't ready for that then we need to be you know our role is really to put that in perspective that even though we believe that will help them that's not what they want right yeah I, you right know I now. have to say as a final note to this I really appreciate working with all of you I think that's something we all need to hear is that we're appreciated um, and um, I think knowing that because I think it, it's maybe stereotypical of men, I don't know, or fathers or husbands, but there's always an issue with me or anyone where, oh, I wanna fix that. Mm -hmm, and yeah. so listening to your approaches to helping people with ALS and knowing that it's more about listening and being there for what they need and want, and um, I think it's made me a better listener, hopefully, um, not just here, but at home, and hopefully it's true of all of us here. Yeah. yeah. Well, ask your wife that. Thank you so much for all you guys do. Um, please, if you're listening, uh, learn, connect with all of our social work team at our website, www.alsphiladelphia.org. Um, you can con contact anyone in your from your clinic or directly there. Um, and also um, look for other podcasts coming up this month for Social Work Month with other social workers here at the chapter. Uh, again, follow us on Facebook, on YouTube, Instagram, and follow this podcast as well, all at ALS Philadelphia. Thank you guys for all you do. Thanks, thank you, Tony. Happy Social Work Month. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>